0: Malud begins with a play on words that is lost in translation. The word for beginning in Arabic is badu, and the word for heart is qalb. The word for heart, qalb, also means to reverse something. And if one were to literally reverse the, reverse the word badu in Arabic, the word adab would result, which is the term for courtesy. Where this treatise begins, since courtesy is the portal to the purification of the heart so just in that first line this we talked about this last week the 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 sheikh who wrote this is doing a play on words this is part of what the arabs did in their poetry um they would try to make it really complex and put hidden meanings into it it's also one of the reasons why just getting a book like this in its original form even if it's been translated and sitting with it you're going to miss a lot of what's going on you'll only be able really to access the surface meanings Um, Unless you have a teacher like Sheikh Hamza who can then give us all of this explanatory, uh, additional explanatory notes Adab in Arabic means a combination of things in addition to courtesy Adib, a derivative of adab for example, has come to mean an erudite person Someone who's learned for high manners and courtesy are associated with learning and erudition But at the root of the word adab is the idea of courtesy, the idea of courtesy is firmly established Imam Maulud starts his treatise treatise with courtesy since excellent behavior and comportment are the doorkeepers to the science of spiritual purification. One must have courtesy with regard to God, to behave properly with respect to his presence if he or she wishes to purify his heart or her heart. But how does one achieve this courtesy? Imam Maulud mentions two requisite qualities associated with courtesy, modesty and humility Hayat in Arabic conveys the meaning of shame, though the root word of haya is closely associated with life and living. The Prophet sallallahu stated, every religion has a quality that is characteristic of that religion, and the characteristic of my religion is haya, an internal sense of shame, which includes bashfulness and modesty. Most adults alive today have heard it said when they were children, shame on you. Unfortunately, shame has come to be viewed as a negative word, as if it were a pejorative. Parents are now advised never to shame a child, never correct a child's behavior by causing an emotional response. Instead, the current wisdom suggests that people always make the child feel good, regardless of his or her behavior. Eventually, what this does is disable naturally occurring deterrence to misbehavior. Um, So here Sheikh Hamza is taking a position on child raising, which is that traditionally, and at least in in Eastern cultures, very often shame not only for children, even among adults, but shame was uh, a strong deterrent to illegal or immoral behavior. Thank you. was uh, a strong deterrent to any kind of immoral or unethical behavior. You were ashamed to have this known about you in public. Sheikh Hamza was writing this translation originally uh, in, I think, the early 90s. Um, and things have only really gotten worse in this regard uh, in our society, where the idea of shame or modesty or bashfulness is completely out the window. It's not a bad thing, and it's not a bad thing to tell a child that that behavior is shameful. This is part of what it takes to having shame before Allah of what we do. You know, just as an aside, oftentimes uh, we might know that something is wrong, we might understand that we have to make repentance from what we've done that was wrong, but we still keep returning to it. And one of the things that I've noticed that does keep us, even as adults, away from repeating these mistakes, or these uh, sinful actions, is if we honestly, truly internalize the fact that Allah knows what we're doing, sees us, and we feel shame for that, and then it's almost impossible to return to, such, to something that's, you know, some kind of aberrant behavior that there's no necessity for, that you're just doing out of whatever reason. Um, so he goes on, some anthropologists divide cultures into shame and guilt cultures. They say that guilt is an inward mechanism and shame an outward one. With regard to this discussion, guilt alludes to a human mechanism that produces strong feelings of remorse when someone has done something wrong to the point that he or she needs to rectify the matter. And that's what I was just saying. Right. So you might feel really bad and go, I I have to make repentance or I have to make a plan to not do this again. Um, But that's often not going to keep you from repeating it. Most primitive cultures are not guilt based, but shame based which is rooted in fear of bringing shame upon oneself and the larger family. What Islam does is honor the concept of shame and take it to another level altogether, to a rank where one feels a sense of shame before God. When a person acknowledges and realizes that God is fully aware of all that one does, says, or thinks, shame is elevated to a higher plane, to the unseen world from which which there is no cover. In fact, one feels a sense of shame even before the angels. So while Muslims comprise a shame-based culture, this notion transcends shame before one's family, whether one's elders or parents, and admits a mechanism that is not subject to the changing norms of human cultures. This is a really important point here, right? Because what we're gonna be dealing with, the the things that we're gonna be talking about, some of them may seem anachronistic from another time, um, perhaps not applicable to the culture that we live in, but the fact is that Rights, rules, proper behavior, what Allah expects of us and what we've been created for, is timeless. It doesn't change with culture, it doesn't change with whatever the the new norms are this day. Rather, it's eternal and it's unchanging at the core of it, right? So some things will never change, some rules will never change, and some behavior is never acceptable, even if it's become acceptable in the wider society. You follow my way, follow my example, and the example of the rightly guided Khalifas after me. So the five leaders after the Prophet, peace be upon him, we follow their examples. So their examples is part of our religion, what they did, their judgments. And why do we say these five leaders? Because the Prophet, peace be upon him,